and six always. That's, that's for the culture. Happy Friday, y'all. Welcome to another installment of the Bucks and Six podcast. I'm DJ, your host. And this is issue 11. We're calling it Bump in the Road. Now, let's get right into it. You guys know how we start out every, every, every issue. It's the take of the day. Now, this issue's take of the day is Scotty Barnes is not only going to win Rookie of the Year, but has some of the most upside out of anyone in this draft. So if you're like me, you know, you don't really pay too much attention to college basketball. This year was like the first year where I think I really tried to watch Mark Madness, emphasis on try. But regardless, I don't think anybody saw Scotty Barnes making such an immediate impact based on what they saw in college. I think the biggest thing was his defense, but he's doing so much more than that. And overall, he's just being a very well-rounded player so far in his rookie year. Not even just by rookie standards, but by like regular veteran almost standards. Now, here's why he'll win Rookie of the Year slash has the major upside. So he has the build, he has like the perfect build for positionless basketball in my opinion. 6'9", can handle the ball. Bit of a, you know, LeBron build. I don't want to, I don't want to use that label, but 6'9", can handle the ball. Shit, that's LeBron. (laughs) No, all jokes aside, I mean, LeBron did come in at 6'9", 250, so that's just unfucking heard of, especially with the level... Of athleticism that dude had but bringing it back to my boy scotty maybe just needs a little more muscle to be that uh be that lebron build uh, let, let's I'll, I'll drop that lebron shit now when it comes to scotty he can guard multiple positions and overall he's just a very good defender already he leads rookies in points per game which in my opinion is a clear indicator that you're going to win rookie of the year unless you're doing everything like Lamelo, which scotty is also somewhat doing no slouch in other categories not only that he's leading them in field goal percentage which is mwah beautiful minutes per game he's up there with chris duarte you know the 28 29 year old rookie (laughs) no i'm sorry i'm gonna stop chatting this shit for now at least but from what i've watched so far these rookies i think overall scotty looks very comfortable out there aside from him though i'd also throw evan mobley in there franz wagner chris duarte in there as well uh jalen green i'm a little hesitant to throw in there but dude's been hooping so you know what yeah fuck it the filipino sensation man Jalen Green's very comfortable out there. He's shooting the shit. However, Jalen Green won't last long the way he plays in my opinion, especially if he has that same frame. He's very much, he's very much tunnel vision when it comes to driving. Like you could have the whole five on the floor, flood the paint. That dude's going to go for a layup. However, I do admire the cojones because shit, there's some vets who don't even like have that, um, those amount of cojones. I mean, if you watch the Rockets game, that dude literally took, like, not a 30-footer, but definitely not right at the three-point line, like, to bring them within one. But shoot, when it comes down to it, Jalen Green, certified bucket. However, I think Scotty Barnes still has the most upside just based on his build, being, like, 6'9", again, being able to handle the ball. And not only that, with his frame overall, he's able to guard multiple positions, and those are just things that are, like, oh, so nice to see <laughs> with this developing narrative of positionless basketball. However, I think the biggest thing that I've seen with Scotty Barnes is the trust that Coach Nurse has with him. There was a moment in the Magic game not too long ago where a foul got called on Scotty and he urged Coach Nurse to challenge it. Coach Nurse trusted him and did it. Crazy confidence booster if you ask me. That's better than any green light to shoot could ever do in my opinion. And I think that's why Coach Nurse is one of the best coaches in the league. Shit, that's why the man is coaching Team Canada when we win 2024 Olympic gold. I I can't get too ahead of myself because Canada even make the Olympics for basketball. But I will say, the crop of Canadian talent is mwah, 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 just like chef's kiss shit, you know? Now, back on the topic of Scotty Barnes, in my opinion, the only thing that could hinder him is when Pascal comes back. 
even then, I think he's playing too good to not start. If you relegate him to the bench, the fuck are you doing? And I think despite Pascal primarily being a four, I think you gotta let him play five to keep Scotty going. Should commit to starting a small ball five. And it's not like the Rockets where that's all you have. Because if you remember, they started 6'4 PJ Tucker at center. They had Clint Capella, but he was injured, I believe. But even then, they have the ability to play more natural centers, if not. Obviously, with a guy like Chris Boucher, Ken Birch, Precious Achuya, and even, man, Delano Banton. That dude's been hooping. I think he's right up there with Scotty for, like, field goal percentage. But yeah, in my opinion, I think the Raptors should look into playing a small ball five. And, you know, even if they do it the same as the Rockets did, they wouldn't be as small as the Rockets because, you know, it, it don't get much shorter than starting P.J. Tucker at center. <laughs> so to somewhat summarize here, the take of the day is Scotty Barn is not only going to win Rookie of the Year, but this dude's got some of the most upside out of anyone in the draft, especially with positionless basketball becoming more and more prevalent. And y'all know what that means. I got to give that a... Guaranteed. Appreciate it always, Chuck. I hope I don't get in trouble for that someday if this... <laughs> No, I'm not going to talk about that, but okay. Heading from this nice little intro we've had, I'm going to give you a little overview of this issue. So the things we're going to be talking about today are the city jerseys. Not only that, we're going to go back to our superlatives as well as takeaways. I'm going to end it off, of course, with a nice little, uh, little recap slash takeaways, a little mix of everything when we talk about the Bucks. Now we're going to take a short little intermission here, but I will see y'all in a second. Alrighty, so first of all, I gotta say, man, these City Edition jerseys are fucking nice. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna split it into three categories, because I don't want to just rank them 30 to 1, because I'm an indecisive person, so I think that would take way too long. But anyways, the first tier, you know, the cream of the crop. Wood for Jersey's cop. These are jerseys that, man, if I wasn't a broke college student, shit, man, I'm copping right now. The next one, Fire. But not copying yet. You know, if it's a sale slash if I saw it in person, because I'm very much a person where if I see something in person, I feel I'll be more inclined to buy it, especially when it comes to things like jerseys. Like, for example, there was this one time I saw a Zion jersey on sale. I almost bought that shit, but that's only because I saw it in person. You know, normally I wouldn't, but again, just because I saw it, like, saw it physically with my own two eyeballs was on the verge. Because this was when I still had a discount for like champs and shit, but I didn't end up going through with it. And at the very bottom here, we have disappointing. Cool, but come on now, you could have done so much, which I think is evident for quite a few of these jerseys. Let's get right into it. So I'm going to go bottom up. So let's get the disappointing out of the way. Number one, Pels. Looks the same as all their other jerseys. I can't really tell what's, what different they made. I mean, maybe the, the Nola is a little more like triangulized. I don't know the word, but yeah, it doesn't look any different from their other jerseys. So pretty disappointing. I would have loved, man, I'm going to say this a lot. I am a hoe for pinstripe jerseys. And I think the pinstripe Hornets jerseys from back when they were in New Orleans are just, just Granted, I understand that maybe there's like some licensing shit or something. I don't know. That's not my business. But if I were to, I would have definitely done something with that. The Jazz. We've already seen these. It's a jersey they've had for a bit. Come on now. And same with that. The Suns. We've already seen these. Man, the last time they wear these, the Bucks won that motherfucking chip, baby. <laughs> no, but all jokes aside, it's a cool jersey, but it's just, you know... 75th anniversary, this is only going to come once, I was going to say once in a generation, but no, this is only come once in a lifetime, and you guys just have a jersey that you've already worn? Come on. Same thing with the Magic, we've already seen that, it's, it's a cool jersey, but again, it's something that I think we've already seen, I'm pretty sure at least, I don't know, but 
it just doesn't look too much like too much innovation was there in my opinion now speaking of innovation oklahoma city what are y'all doing it's literally just an all-white jersey what's that supposed to be an homage to your racial demographic now <laughs> i read that quip because like i was literally curious what their racial demographic was and it's like 70 percent like caucasians there moving on from that pacers pinstripes please Man, the Pacers pinstripe jerseys are some of the nicest jerseys I've ever seen. I remember, I forgot what 2K it was, but I had my player on Indiana, and bro, the second I could choose my jerseys, we only played in those pinstripe jerseys. They're so nice! Like, I get why they went retro, because that's like, I don't know if that's their OG stuff, because I don't really follow the Pacers like that. I mean, I like the Pacers, but, you know, they're the kings of mediocrity. That's why they have a mediocre jersey. But roasting aside, let's move on. Denver, go full rainbow. Why you kind of got to tease us with these little like side rainbows? Come on, man. I want to see some Alex English shit all the way through rainbow. Granted, still a cool jersey. With these last two, it's pretty much the same story. The Celtics and Detroit. With the Celtics, it looked the exact same as other Celtics jerseys. Come on now. I get like you're, a, you're like an original team and maybe you want to keep like the tradition and shit. But you could have done so much. You don't even have a lucky on there. And to end it off, Detroit, that looks, looks the same as all their other jerseys. I don't get what they did. But yeah, that's going to be that for that little disappointing tier. Now let's head up to fire, but not copying. Yeah. First off here, I got the Blazers. I love the Rip City, which in my opinion is one of the best city nicknames. Wish they did a little more though. Solid jersey though. The Lakers. I love the combination of the present and the past. You know, obviously with the purple for what we've all come to know them as, you know, purple and gold. Those are the Lakers colors. Those will always be the Lakers colors from now on. But the nice little baby blue is very, mwah, so nice. However, it's just a little plain in my opinion. Heading over to the next one. We got another one of LeBron's former teams in Cleveland. I like the old logo, but I'm not in love with it. Like, it's cool, but... You're not going to catch me in a Cleveland jersey unless it's Anthony Bennett, baby. <laughs> All right, let's move on from that. I love you, Anthony Bennett, but man, talk about a bust. Up next, we got the Clippers. I like the fun colors, the old Clippers font, you know, Michael Oloa Candy, Darius Miles vibes. Just not in love with it. Next up, Washington. Fire. But come on, no, again, what? just like Denver, why you got to tease us? Should have done the whole candy cane thing there. But other than that, it's nice, but again... If you're gonna like pay homage to something pay homage go all the way coming up from there we got the knicks i just like the idea of a black knicks jersey it's cool but uh, i'm not coughing right now coming up next very close to the new york area we got toronto i think i mean i don't know my geogra geography no yeah it is all right slight brain fart set aside there the slight pinstripe is the only reason it's not in the disappointing section because other than that it just looks like the other gold jerseys but when i saw like the jersey with the shorts combo and just that nice little slight hint of pinstripe with like, I don't know if it's like zigzags, supposed, probably that's supposed to be like a raptor's claw or something. Like, you know, rawr. <laughs> that's cool. I like that, but not copping right now. Moving back to the West, we got the Mavs. It's a nice homage to the old logo, but just like some of the other ones, not in love with it. Now to the city of brotherly love, the Sixers. It's cool, but not I'm not fully sold on it. It's I saw them playing it with against the Bulls yesterday as I'm recording this, and they look nice like in game, but I don't know. I'm just not entirely not entirely sold on it. And to end off for this, you know, the I but I'm not gonna cop right now is Charlotte. I don't like the ombre effect, but I love the colors. I wish I would have just done that kind of whole honeycomb thing all the way through. 
That would have been nice. But again, another solid jersey. Alrighty, now to end it off, let's head up to the wood for Scherzi's cop. Number one, the Rockets. Man, I'm a hoe for pinstripes. I love that. I love the Rockets pinstripe jerseys. They're so nice. I will say though, I wish they did have like the, like the early 2000s Rockets logo. That would have been cool. Following from that, we got a team that just beat the Hornets last night in the Warriors, or last night as I'm recording this on Thursday morning. But getting back to their jersey, I just love the homage to the We Believe era. You know, the little thunderbolts on the side there, very reminiscent of that era. Because man, I think aside from obviously this era with Steph and them, that's probably got to be one of the coolest, if not the coolest eras. Because man, think about how many teams have won against the first seed as the eighth seed. It's only happened five times in 75 years. And overall, I think between all of them, nobody really celebrates it as much as the Warriors. Because that was, again, such an iconic era. Steven Jackson, Baron Davis, Jason Richardson, Andreas Biedrins. <laughs> wow, but for real, I think just, again, the We Believe era was such an iconic time. I wasn't really watching basketball back then, but watching videos now, man, you can feel the energy there. And we even see how they paid homage to the very last game in uh, Oracle Arena where the last Warrior game that would ever be played in that building, they played in those old jerseys, which was, again, mwah, 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 so beautiful. All right, but heading from there, we got the Nets. I think it's less corny with the bright blue. I, I like the old, like, retro look to it, but when they were wearing it last year with the, like, Canadian uh, tuxedo blue, I, I wasn't feeling it. I saw a dude wear it, just like, yeah, no, nah, I'm good. But the blue they chose here, the navy, looks very nice. Now, staying on the East Coast, we got Chicago. Man, again, I'm a hoe for cursive jerseys. Super clean. And much like the Indiana Pacers with their pinstripe jerseys, when my player was on Chicago, the second I can pick my jerseys, I like literally only played in either the pinstripe Chicago jerseys or that cursive one. I will say, though, wish they had a little bit of pinstripe, you know, best of both worlds in my opinion. Now, heading back to the West Coast, Timberwolves. I think it pays homage to the best Timberwolves jersey, but still has a modern feel to it. I really like that. I think the thing that makes it for me is the fact that they have the trees on the trim, which is just, you know, mwah, beautiful. Next on my list, I have the Kings. I'm just going to use one word here. Cursive. Up next, we got Atlanta. The 90s to early 2000s logo is, again, just mwah, chef's kiss. That stuff is so nice. And again, I had a player build where I had them on the Hawks in their second year. And I would literally only play with that yellow Hawks jersey with that same kind of logo there. It's a nice logo. The next version would be the one where Mike Budenholzer won 60 games with them but got beat by LeBron. But coming from that chirp against Atlanta, next up we got Memphis. The one that, man, again, if they... Man, I'll just say it. I love the tribute to Vancouver with, the, again, the neck and the arm trim. But, man, you should still move this team back, though. I mean, what's, Mem what's Memphis got that Vancouver don't got besides barbecue? Now, all kidding set aside, I again, Memphis is a team that I think will always have a little bit of me, even though I wasn't around during the era of Vancouver basketball. You can still really tell that in Vancouver, there's a lot of love for the game, and I think especially a lot of that stems from the fact that the Grizzlies were very much like a cult team in a sense, where they obviously weren't winning championships, but like Brian Reeves, for example. There was like a big thing here called Finding Big Country. I don't really I don't really get what it was for, but you couldn't go around like Vancouver, downtown especially, and not see at least a poster for that. I mean, the NBA has been hosting like preseasons game here yearly prior to COVID. So, I mean, fingers crossed, especially hoping in my lifetime of 
being able to still move and be fairly active with a slight asterisk there. I hope there's a Vancouver basketball team eventually. I think it'd be super dope. I would definitely buy season tickets if I wasn't still broke or if I'm not broke by then. But let's get back to it. So again, I love the homage to Vancouver that Memphis does with their jerseys. Just wish that team was still here. Next up, you know, obviously we have to put it here. The Bucks. The purple is, you know, chef's kiss. It's a nice clean look. I do wish they did they did add a little more though. I like that it says Bucks instead of Milwaukee. I think the Bucks is just such a nice clean look to it that Milwaukee is like a little too much like wording there. However, I wish they did add a logo though. There's just so much negative space at the bottom half of the jersey. It looks kind of lonely. Stick a buck there, man. Now, heading from your 2021 NBA championships, we got the Miami Heat. I love the use of all the fonts they've used in the past. The yellow side stripes, though, really complete it. That just makes it, again. I think a lot of people have this as one of their favorite jerseys. I like it, but it's not one of my favorites, but solid jersey. And last but not least, you know, the most exciting team to watch in all of NBA basketball. Nobody does it like them. San Antonio Spurs. <laughs> I love the colors. It looks more Miami than Miami City Edition jersey, though. I think those colors are just so lively, so vibrant, and I think really speak a lot to how... Because I think there's a big community in San Antonio. I don't know where I'm going with this, but... Again, I just really like the colors on there. It has a nice retro yet modern vibe to it. And it's just... It's overall just a dope jersey. But that's going to do it for this ranking. So just to go a little, like... Quick fire on this, Wood for sure, Cop, Rockets, Warriors, Nets, Chicago, Timberwolves, Kings, Atlanta, Memphis, Bucks, Miami, Spurs. Coming from there, Fire, but not Copping yet. I know, again, I'd have to see it on sale or if I saw it in person, etc. Trailblazers, Lakers, Cleveland, Clippers, Washington, Knicks, Toronto, Mavs, Sixers, and Charlotte. And finally, last, but also least, <laughs> Disappointing. Again, these are cool. Because I think all of them are nice. But come on now, you could have done so much. Where's the creativity at? The Pels, the Jazz, the Suns, the Magic, Oklahoma, Pacers, Denver, Celtics, and Detroit. Now, I know the talk about jerseys was a lot to really take in there. Your brains must be fucking fried right now. So, let's take a break. I'll see y'all in a bit. Welcome back. We're going to do our superlatives now. I did change them up a little bit in terms of the category names from last time. So I'll just go through what we're going to do. Notable games. So instead of best game, I'm choosing notable games so I could highlight a few. The best team, that's from the same disappointing team instead of the worst team. Because if we did worst team, it'd just probably just be a mixed match of the Rockets, the Pistons, and uh, Oklahoma. But <laughs> I don't want to do that. And from there, we got the highlighted players of the week. So again, just a couple other guys and so I don't just have to pick it down to one disappointing players that's the same from last time and same thing as also last time surprising players let's get right into it so notable games number one the Knicks versus the Raptors I'm a hoe for history this was the 75th anniversary of the very first NBA game I mean think about how far the game has come have y'all seen the first basketball thing literally looks like a nutsack now to get the, that image out of your head man humans are just constantly evolving into better versions this is especially evident in basketball the three-point revolution big man playmakers and now it's like being 6-2 and under is like undersized but back to that game overall solid game og a career high of 36 in the garden no less and rj barrett really kept the ball rolling from his career night with 27 but shoot man i think even if the game was like 100 to 75 blowout i would have still put this here because again my big man on history that's my major and it's just crazy to think that 75 years later and people are still innovating ways on a game that in like theory 
so simple. Put a ball in a basket. But with guys like Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, Steph Curry. Like those are, that's literally just like a microcosm. Like such a small little point in time of this league. Just like it says in the NBA 75 commercial, we've come a long way from the peach basket. Now you got breakaway rims so that you can't destroy rims. And they even used to have a three-point line. I don't know if any of y'all know who this man is, but Pistol Pete Maravich, one of the greatest to ever do it, had a short career, but his greatness is undeniable. He played in a time where there weren't any, there wasn't a three-point line, right? But it is well documented that this dude had some fucking range. So much so that I think it was his, his LSU coach, I'm not sure, but... He went back and watched all his games and realized this dude would have averaged fucking 50 a game as a guard. 6'5". You know, Wilt's cool and all, but that dude's a 7-footer. So, of course, he's supposed to score the ball. But at 6'5", this dude would have been, like, putting up godly numbers. But a little history tidbit set aside. Let's move on. So, at number one here, not necessarily, like, the ranking, but the first game, Knicks versus the Raptors. Up next, this game happened yesterday. It's the Hornets versus the Warriors. You know, in my opinion, I love games where it's not the stars taking over. Mile Bridges continued to build a case as MIP, 32 points, 9 rebounds. But another person who's in that conversation, Jordan Poole, had the game of his life. A 31-piece on top of four steals, I will say, though. Second half, he was really stanking it up, but I don't want to take away from the dude. He just continues to build the case that the Warriors are legit. Not only that, Gary Payton II had a phenomenal game, you know, the Oakland boys back, 14 points, 3 steals, and I, you know, you just love seeing that from your rotation, guys. This wasn't a night where Steph was really taking over. He was really, I don't want to say he had minimal impact, but it wasn't the regular Steph Curry that you're accustomed to seeing. But yeah, overall, solid ball game. Up next, we got the Rockets versus the Lakers. Talk about a crazy ending. I just want to say, though, I know the Lakers won, but man, you've had 2 to 3, like, Close games, and when I mean close games, I mean about 10 points or less. Because in both Rockets games, obviously they lost. This one, they lost by one. The other one, they lost by 10, I believe. But back to my point, the Lakers should be blowing these teams out. But yet they're in close games and even lost one to the Thunders. A team that is well documented that these dudes are tanking. They're not going to be competitive this year. Yet this team, that's supposed to be, oh, we're going to win the chip for sure. We got LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook. No one can stop us. Got stopped by a Canadian, my guy. Nah, but shit chatting set aside. This was a very fun game to watch. Really came down to the wire. Jalen Green showed his whole ass there. Like, bro, he pulled a step back three that wasn't even like right again, right at the line. It was far. I don't know necessarily think it was a 30 footer, but it was far on Anthony Davis, a player that a lot of people want to say he's the best defender. But Jalen Green said, screw it and just drained that. Not only that, but when it really came down to the wire, Kevin Porter Jr. got a good look, just didn't fall. But regardless, if I'm the Rockets, I don't really look at these two games with the Lakers as like demoralizing defeats. You were right in there with the team that a lot of people, again, are saying is going to be the team coming out the West. Way it is right now, though, I don't know. However, I will say, though, Lakers are finally starting to do what they should have done a long time ago, starting AD at the 5. I don't care if that dude likes playing 4. He could play 5. Come on. If you're a top 75 NBA player, and not only that, you're 6 fucking 11, how can you not play center? I get that. Maybe he feels more comfortable there, but the Lakers want to succeed. That's really what they should do. I also think they should start Carmelo. But I also like him as, you know, that nice little six-man spark plug off the bench. 
But I do got to give the Lakers some credit, though, because that was someone that was very much like LeBron, AD, and Russ. One of them is going to take a statistical dump. There's just not enough ball to go around. But when you look at it, I mean, Westbrook, 27-9-7, and AD, 27-9-3, and and LeBron, 34-10. and there's, there's enough ball to go around there. Now, heading from notable games for the week, let's head to the best team. Here I got the Miami Heat. Clearly one of, if not the best defenses right now, the best in my opinion. I think their ability to switch is what makes them the best. Literally have a stopper at every position. Not only that, but they have four of the top 15 to 20 defenders in the entire league in my opinion. Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, PJ Tucker, Bam Adebayo. Like that's crazy. Imagine you got a game plan for that. Like there's a guy that could literally clamp you in every position. Not only that, but they got Tyler Hero, who in my opinion, I don't get why. I don't understand why they paid... Duncan Robinson. I mean, I get it. They didn't want to lose him, but 90 mil? I don't know about that. Because now what are you going to do when Tyler Hero needs money? All your guys are getting paid. The fuck's he going to do? He's not going to take a pay cut, especially the way he's playing right now. But we're not here to talk about contracts, even though, you know, Tyler Hero. Man, bring that boy home to Milwaukee. (laughs) No way that could happen, but heading from the best team, let's talk about a disappointing team, the Boston Celtics. And here I just got one thing to say. Having to have a players-only meeting this early, slightly alarming. Now, I'll expand on that later in my takeaways, but let's head to the highlighted players of the week. Number one, John Moran. He's going to be an all-star this year. Career highs in every statistic. As of the day I'm recording on Thursday, November 4th at 9 in the morning, he's shooting about 36.6% from the three, which is solid, especially considering he's not known to have a, like a really good three ball. But man, when you watch Jaw, it just looks like the game's starting to slow down for him. Game's going to open up so much more once Brooks is back. Gives you another solid guy. And I just love the way Memphis has been playing. Fresh off back-to-back wins against the Nuggets, a team that a lot of people still have being like a top, top seed in the West. I don't really know about that, especially considering how Michael Porter Jr. is playing, but we'll talk about that later. Overall, man, I love the South Carolina boys. Chris Middleton and Kwame Brown, you know, throw jaw in there. Beautiful. Now, after that, we got DeMar DeRozan. Man, people binge disrespecting DeMar. Overrated free agent signing. Tell me why he's a top five scorer right now and still is one of the best ISO scorers as well as mid-range assassins. DeMar DeRozan is literally a product of consistency, in my opinion. He's a dude that the trajectory of his career has been a little iffy these past few years, especially with him being on teams that were considered more rebuilding, being forced into this sort of mentor role that I don't necessarily think not that he wouldn't want to, but DeMar DeRozan is so much more than just a guy who's, you know, who's been there, done that kind of thing, and is only really there to teach now. And we've seen how now he's literally contributing to one of the best teams in the East. I mean, not even just from an offensive standpoint, but look at his defensive rating. It's the best he's had in his career. I get it. It's only like eight games in, but, you know, gotta give the man his flowers while, he's still, while he can still smell them, you know? Right now he's averaging about, he's giving up 104 points per 100 possessions. But when you compare that to his offensive rating, he's getting 116 points off 100 possessions. So, you know, that's a positive, which is just, you know, again, Mutabella. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. But last one that I'm going to highlight, RJ Barrett, man, the Canadian sensation. He's fresh off a career high, 35 to open up November. Not only that, but he had a well-rounded stat line for that game. Dude is stroking it from three. (laughs) At the time of recording, he's averaging about 42%. But not only that, he's really starting to come into his own. In my opinion, he is slash will be the best out of the three Duke boys, a.k.a. Zion and Cam. Zion can't stay healthy. 
Cam Reddish, I think, is solid. Just I don't think he should be playing in Atlanta. He should play somewhere where they're going to give him actual minutes. Like RJ. You know, again, I think out of these three boys, they were obviously probably one of the most hyped up teams in college basketball. And we see now, they're all hooping. I just think out of the three, obviously Zion's had the most success so far with an all-star appearance. But I think RJ's going to be the best out of the three. Now, heading from highlighted players, let's talk about some disappointing players. Number one, Dame. I'm not going to spend too much time talking here because he was on mine the same as last week. Still in a shooting slump. God-awful efficiency. 35 from the field, 23 from three. But he's going to figure it out. It's Damian Lillard. Dude is on the NBA 75 team, even though I, I don't know if he should have. But who am I to judge? He's still one of the best point guards in the game. And he's really gotten like, I think he's had back-to-back tennis games, though, I believe. But even then... Portland's just stinking it up right now. They have a losing record right now at 3-5. and five. But again, the season is still young. I don't think I, you can really get a good grasp of these teams till at least around 20 games in. And even then, you can't say nothing until the playoffs once everything's kind of solidified anyways. But moving on from Dame, MPJ. Rarely starting off the year slow. He's being a little too passive in my opinion. Playmaking's up a tad, I guess. 1.1 to 2.4 assists per game. But that's not enough to constitute a dip in scoring. If I had to guess, he's probably just adjusting to being the second option now. He's one of the primary people that teams will game plan against now. I'm sure he'll figure it out. But as of now, dude hasn't even hit 20 this year, which is very alarming considering I was like blowing smoke over his ass like, yo, this dude's MIP for sure. But now I'm not so sure. Definitely still has a lot of time to turn it around. But as it is right now, he's been playing like very lackluster from what you'd expect from him. For the last superlative, I got surprising player and I got Desmond Bain here. He's filling a nice hole left by Dylan Brooks. Once Brooks is back, I think he'll be able to reign terror with the second unit. Big jump in scoring. He shot up from 9.2 points per game to 17.5. And his three per- percentage got even better. Coming from an already solid, solid number. But when you look at Desmond Main, he's literally taking a jump in every category. When you watch the Grizzlies, he's played like he's more comfortable. And that's like everything for me. I think he could be even better when Dylan Brooks is back. When you're not necessarily depending on him so much. Because he might not be the guy to do that in his second year. But... The Grizzlies, I think, have found a really solid rotation guy for the next few years in Desmond Bain. Now, just to sort of, you know, summarize that, let's go through each one right real quick. So, notable games, Knicks versus Raptors, Hornets versus Warriors, and Rockets versus Lakers. Best team, the Miami Heat. Disappointing team, the Celtics. Highlighted players of the week, John Morant, DeMar DeRozan, and RJ Barrett. Disappointing players, Damian Lillard, Michael Porter Jr. Last but not least, surprising player, Desmond Bain. That was a lot to talk about right there. Let's take another quick short break before we just dive into our takeaways. All right, so I'm going to try to keep this one nice and short. So let's get right into it. If Golden State is trying to be considered a contender, they got to cut down on the turnovers. They're their worst enemy right now. The only loss they have this year is the Memphis Grizzlies. The only reason they lost that game because they were turning the ball over too much. Up next, AD needs to start at center full time. Playing with an actual center, I think, is hindering the speed the Lakers could play with. Have arguably two of the best downhill players ever in LeBron and Russ. The Lakers lost to a fucking tanking team. As well as two wins, but they were, like, not that far apart from each other against a rebuilding Rockets team to a team that a lot of people, again, have winning the chip. But, you know, it's super early in the season, so I'm not going to overreact. But got to be very critical of the Lakers because everybody's blowing smoke up their ass like it's no tomorrow. However, I will say though, like I said earlier, I was wrong in saying that one of them would take a major dip statistically because all three of them are eating. All right, and last major takeaway, Celtics fans shouldn't hit the panic button. 
yet. But I will say, the fact that they've had to have a players-only meeting this early into the season is not something to be taken lightly. Those are like last last resort types of things. You never really want to get into that. But overall, when I look at the Celtics, I think they just need to get the ball moving more. Like teams literally game plan for the fact that you're not going to beat us with two players. you got to get your whole team to win. And if they accomplish that, that's almost a W. And they've been very effective at that because Jason Tatum's shooting slump. Jalen Brown, very solid. In my opinion, the gap between them is not that much. I think people just don't give Jalen Brown his fair shake between the two just because he took a little bit longer to get it going. But Jalen Brown's certified hooper, man. Why the fuck wouldn't you say he's a certified hooper? Because Jason Tatum's like the next Kobe apparently? I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just spitballing here. But I think the two of them should really look to play make more. Because if you do that, the game will just open up more. And in regards to Marcus Smart's comments, I mean, we don't know if he's been saying that to the team and they just haven't been listening. It's just like frustrations boiling over. But man, the Celtics were a team I'm very high on. And as is right now, I don't know. Again, such a, such a, such a early start to the season, or early part of the season. So can't really, again, hit the panic button yet. But that's a situation to monitor for right now. Yo, this is DJ from the future, aka whilst I'm editing. But just to add on more to this point, I think the Celtics had a good game today. They had five guys in double digits, but Jason Stidham still stank it up. However, looks like that meeting did the trick, and now they're all back on the right track, especially against a team like Miami. However, despite this being a huge win, we still got to see how the season progresses, because right now, again, the fact that they had to have that meeting, definitely something to look at. All right, we're going to take another short intermission here before we just get into the buck session. I'll see y'all in a bit. All right, we finally got into the titular team of this podcast. Let's get right into the Bucks. Here's some takeaways. It's going to be a long couple weeks. Chris got the Rona. Hopefully has a safe recovery. Drew's still injured. Brooke's still injured. And DiVincenzo, we don't even have a timetable. Now, I know that may all seem kind of shitty, but here's some positives from this that I can think of. Still very early in the season. And not only that, it lets these rotation guys get into a decent rhythm and slash allows them to get more playing time. Especially important for young guys, a.k.a. Jordan Nawara. He's an X-Factor in my opinion. And that's because he's a bucket. Three-level scorer, definitely improved defensively. Getting him more run will only be beneficial to the dude. Now, so far this season, he's scoring almost 10-4. and four. Efficiency is not where you want to be right now. But I think it's primarily lower just because he's getting increased playing time. As it is right now, could see him being as part of the rotation even when the team's fully healthy. Gives us another tall wing, three-level scorer. Biggest thing though... Not as big of a defensive liability. However, if I had to nitpick some stuff, I think he could be better at moving without the ball. You know, he has some tendencies to camp out on the three-point and not be moving. Whether it's a system thing or not, standing deathly still at times is, you know, not bueno. Sometimes. And even then, he's not a guy that needs to be super set to knock down his three. He's capable of shooting off the dribble. That's well seen. But overall, still has a way to go. But as it is right now, solid sophomore campaign. You know, I have a lot of faith in Jordan. I mean, Milwaukee, low-key has a pretty good, not low-key, has a good track record of developing homegrown talent, particularly second-round picks. Let's talk about some of them, or not talk, but here's some of them. The most obvious one, Chris Middleton. Rookie of the year, Malcolm Brogdon. Signed an extension not too long ago. Congrats, bro. Michael Red, certified bucket. Ersan Ilyasova, solid role player. Frankly, you know, if I'm going off the eye test, Milwaukee low-key have more hits in the second round. Granted, first rounds have yielded generational players like Giannis and Karim Abdul-Jabbar. We'll definitely do an issue on this down the line, but I think that was just a fun little tidbit there. But aside from that, even without Drew, I think George Hill, Pat Connaughton, Robinson, and Grayson Allen have been holding it down with the guard rotation. Very solid. 
However, I don't like the size we give up without Brook. We only got two guys that are 6'10 and taller slash could actually play center. I think having Pat or Thanasis play center is some 2K shit. People in 2K don't even typically do though. But all things considered, we've been solid so far. The major thing is that there hasn't really been too much consistency health-wise. So I think that being at 500 is fine. You know, if you don't know what that means, that's a neutral record. Same wins versus losses. Because of that though, I don't think no solid rhythm can be super like established. Guys are playing with guys they might not actually play with come like a healthy team with a full rotation. This is good too though. Let's guys show what they can do slash get more run under their belt, which again, always a plus. Now heading from there, let's look at some of the games that they've played since the last issue slash some of the games that are coming up. First up, the Spurs. 102 to 93, took an L here. No Drew slash Brook though, but here's a one sentence sum. Good looks, but we couldn't knock him down. Not only that, Giannis got into foul trouble, so that didn't help. It's a very winnable game, just the chips didn't fall in our favor, but no sweat. Coming up next, the Jazz, 107 to 95, L. Only two starters played. And I think this showed why I don't like the Nassus getting rotation minutes. He's a good source of energy and crunch time defensive possessions, but he can have tunnel vision a lot of the times. He literally, I think he had, when I was watching it, there were at least two. There were a few possessions where this dude just drove to the hole just to get fucking blocked by Rudy Gobert. Now some positives though. Grayson Allen did hit two threes down the stretch. Bobby with 15 points and five off the bench. Mwah. Had a good chance to get back in the game. However... That five second violation really fucked us. Only losing by 12 to a healthy Jazz team, you know, I'll take that. When we're healthy, then we'll see what's up. Now, from there, we had the Pistons, 170 to 89. Big fucking W's. Good bounce back from a 0 and 3, like, stretch there. This would have expected win though. I mean, it's the Pistons, that's why. Now, here's some takeaways. Giannis, 43% from the three. The behind the back catch and shoot three from Justin Robinson to Giannis is easily one of not the best plays from the season so far not only that we had a solid 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 showing from the bench bobby with 12 and 8 off the bench is beautiful nuora with 16 off solid efficiency 54 from the field 40 from three Mwah. pat Connaughton though is 16 on godly efficiency this dude shot 75 percent from the field and 80 percent from three i mean i mean Mwah. just so so nice to see I love Pat Connaughton, man. He's a nice, solid role player. And I think you can tell his game has gotten a lot better since the finals. He's playing with so much confidence, I'm assuming. Just love the man. But here's a little side note. I hate how good Justin Robinson has been as a backup guard. There's just no room for a full roster spot for him. Dude's been super solid, though. He's there to keep the ship afloat, not to drive it. But man, dude, you can hoop. And it just really sucks that the Bucks don't have any depth or don't have any space for this man. So I think... At the end of his 45 days in the league, he's just going to go back down to the G League. If something were to happen to, say, George Hill, shoot, man. I definitely hope they call him up because he's been playing solid for us. Now, let's head on to some games that are upcoming. So on the day that this issue is releasing, aka Friday, the Bucks are going to play the Knicks. No update on Drew and Brooke while I'm recording this. I'm hopeful at least Drew will be there. But man, the Knicks are scary as fuck right now. They're right up there with the Warriors from the three-point line. And man, their team is just so much better. It's not just Julius Randle doing it out there. RJ Barrett's coming into his own. Evan Fournier's hooping. Kemba Walker's hooping. Scary sight. But man, you know, I'm never going to I'm never going to go against the boys. So I, I still think the Bucks can pull it out. Now, aside from that though, the upcoming schedule looks very scary, especially if the starters are still not available. But I mean, look at this. The Wizards, solid team right now. The Sixers, solid team. The Knicks, we're going to play them tomorrow while I'm recording this. 
So we'll see how that goes. The Celtics, the two disappointing teams so far in the East, because despite the fact that, again, I think the Bucks have had a solid start, it's still disappointing to compare to what you would have hoped for, but not as disappointing as the Celtics, though. <laughs> but that game should be good. After that, got a rematch of the Eastern Conference Finals with the Hawks, and then finally, potential finals matchup here, even though I got the Golden State Warriors making it to the finals. We got the Lakers there. Not as bad of a stretch as the Bulls, who have a crazy stretch ahead of them, but going to be a difficult stretch if our team's not fully healthy there. Well, I think for sure we won't have Middleton for all those games, but fingers crossed. I'm going to say it every week until they're healthy. Hopefully Drew and Brooke are back. Now, to conclude slash overall, no need to hit the panic button at all. Once we have a long streak of healthy games, I mean, I'm really emphasizing healthy here. I think that's when we'll get an actual feel for the season. So far, Giannis is playing like an MVP. All the players that have been playing have been super solid. The only alarming game was that Heat game. We got slapped around silly, but man, December 4th and 8th are circled for sure. Those are the two games against the Heat. But man, I just love what I've seen so far. Still a really small sample size though. I think we gotta wait till at least 20-ish games to get a solid feel. But even then, not fully sold on that. But the main thing here is just remember, the season is a marathon, not a sprint. Early struggles yield later rewards. Hopefully that's something that reigns true to the Bucks. But aside from that, thank you all for tuning in. I know that was a nice long one for y'all. Pause. No. All jokes aside, again, thank you for tuning in. Hope y'all have been having a good one. Remember, you can find the podcast. Well, you're already here at the podcast, but you can find it on more places where podcasts are available. As well as you can see other content from me. I upload a lot on TikTok and Instagram as well, as well as my YouTube channel peep all of those they're all in the description of the podcast so i'm not gonna say it again but you know follow subscribe like all that shit either way thank you for tuning in to another issue i will see y'all next week and remember there aren't a lot of guarantees in life but the things you can bank on are death taxes and bucks and six take care y'all That's the coach.